there welcome to how i got hired this is a show about ordinary people like you and me and how they created extraordinary success in their career so every single monday what we do is we uncover how they got hired in those career defining roles whether it's by companies whether it's by their very first paid clients and we are all about fully practical strategies and tactics no time for fluff my friends so if that is what you're about you are in the right place welcome my name is sonal bell top 25 career coach and here i am every single week to help you to supercharge your believability networkability marketability and hireability so you have a career and life that you are proud of now go in and listen with an open heart and an open mind and believe really believe if they could do it you can do it too let's get started hey there welcome back my guest today is in wisconsin usa and his name is joel lalji so joel ladies and gentlemen is a recruiter who hires recruiters and in this episode we are going to talk about it all like Joel's career and the state of the recruitment industry today and how that impacts everybody not just job seekers and those in transition so if you don't follow Joel on LinkedIn i highly recommend you start because his is probably one of the funniest accounts i've ever seen and his memes are epic do i sound millennial when i say that joel his memes are epic <laughs> and no. you know <laughs> and you no, know what they that. say about humor joel it's the exaggerated truth there's a lot of truth in there so we're going to get into it joel uh welcome so good to have you here Yeah, Sonal, it's so great to be here as well and uh really appreciate you making the time for me and uh happy to to just chat and and uh talk about recruiting, job seeking and LinkedIn obviously as well. Yeah. And uh yeah, excited to get going. Perfect. We're going to dive right in. So, Joel, did you always want to be a recruiter? Like what were those dreams of little Joel? <laughs> take, take me back oh, to school man. college. Now, little Joel wanted to be a uh soccer player uh, or as they call it in the UK football, football obviously yes, yeah, yes. Football. and then what the what happened uh you know i i think the last year of high school in in the states i uh i actually had a really bad attitude when i was in high school like i was just really like rebellious and uh, i had getting kicked off my soccer team for oh. having a bad attitude so i was like a top performer like scored a lot of goals had a lot of swag but i just had a really bad attitude so uh Yeah, that that kind of like threw the wrench in those dreams and then um then I went to I actually moved out over to England after high school for a couple of years and kind of found my feet a little bit. How come um, how how come England, Joel? Yeah, so I'm originally from the UK and so Oh, I, I was going to say you sound very there. British. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I've been over here long enough. I've been over in the in the states long enough to lose the accent. Yes. But uh yeah. when I when I moved back over to the UK for about 2 years, so this mm. would have been 2006 um to 2008. Um I moved there because I could, didn't have a visa a work visa to work in mm. the US. I didn't mm. want to go to to college right away or university right away, so I decided, you know, I'm just going to move back over to England and mm. uh, it was kind of forced by my parents actually. They didn't want me just doing nothing. Um but then i after, when i moved there uh i ended up applying for a couple of jobs and i just couldn't get anything so i actually ended up working at like you know retail like so i mm. actually worked at mm. subway fast food restaurant and then i worked Whoa. at a 
like a sports clothing store. Uh, uh-huh. But that was actually enough for me to realize, okay, I want to go back to school. I want to get some yeah. qualifications. Yeah. Um, and then I, I got a, I pursued a, a degree in finance and I thought, okay, I don't really know what I want to do, but yeah. if I want to make money, finance seems like a good, good idea. Yeah. And then um, started working at a bank for about five years. And that was just not a fit for yeah. me, like very yeah. regulated. Yeah. And, uh, and then one of my mentors and really close friends and uh, he started, he actually started a recruitment company. and was like, you should come work for me. Ah. And um, that's how I got into recruiting. So ah, yeah. And for most people, I would say, like, if you ask most recruiters, I'd yes. say it's probably a small percentage that are like, yeah, this was planned from like childhood Birth. or even planned <laughs> from like college. Like, oh. I think a lot of people don't even really know no. about the recruiting. Yeah. Like, they know about like recruiting within like a corporate function or like with the army, for example, they they kind of are yeah. familiar with recruiting, but I had never, I didn't know that like recruiting agency or like there's companies that exist to actually help companies find people. I think a lot of people don't even know that that's a thing. So, um, so yeah, I fell into it as they say. I appreciate that. I've interviewed my fair share of recruiters and every single one of them fell into it. And like little Joel or little Sonal, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like recruitment is not even a word that is remotely on, you know, the bottom of their mind. Um, I appreciate you sharing this. And I'm imagining you, Joel, because every time I, because I love Subway, every time I've been to Subway in all these years, the person on the other side who makes the sandwiches has always been friendly. So I'm imagining a very friendly, very good natured Joel, uh, you know, with that, like that bad attitude sort of shed already. And, uh, you know, kudos to the parents are uh, like, no, you've got to do this. At that time, we're like, you know, what, what are you, why are you ruining my life? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, learning the value of money, et cetera. And it also takes an enormous amount of self-awareness and emotional intelligence to say, you know, I had a really bad attitude. So I want to just get, you know, dive into that just for a few seconds. When you say bad attitude, right? Maybe somebody listening today is like, what does that mean? You know, does my kid or do I have a bad attitude? What did that, how did that show up for you, Joel? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think like, you know, being from the UK, and making that move, like at the age that I did. So I was about 12 or 13 when we actually moved over to the States. And mm-hmm. um, I think when you make a big transition like that, or you make a big move at that age, like obviously you're trying to fit in as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. And so a large part of that, I think just came from like insecurity. And like, I wanted to be like, I was pretty good at soccer as mm-hmm. it was. So yeah. like, I kind of knew that. And so then that just produced in me like a really, big sense of like pride and the fact that like I was just better than other people but obviously like in soccer or most sports that are team sports like having a really big ego yeah um actually brings down the rest of the team so it was like I I mean people liked me and I had friends and and they you know they liked how I played and like my a lot of my teammates you know we, we had great relationships but um I think I just struggled with like you know even just like the authority of like the coach. And I just kind of, I felt at the time, like I was better than my coach at soccer. So like, why is this guy telling me, you know, what I should be doing? Um, But also like, I I think like an element of that, it actually kind of kept with me for like a number of years. And like, even coming into like the corporate world, especially after I graduated, you know, when you get into the real world, you realize like there's probably people who are going to manage you and, 
it's not probably there's definitely going to be people that manage you that maybe don't have the qualifications that you have or maybe you feel like you know more about like whatever it is that you're doing than your manager like that's gonna happen um and I think it's actually in some ways held me back at certain times um because my default is to just be proud about the things that I'm good at and like which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can, it can outwork itself negatively. So I have yeah. worked myself through that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely been times like even in just like my recruiting career where like I've maybe had a manager or somebody above me that, you know, I thought, Oh, you know what? I, I'm kind of better at this yeah. than them. Like, why are they in this position? Yeah. yeah. But that's life, isn't it? And it's yeah. like, there's, there's people who are less brilliant than you that are probably going to be more successful than you because that's just life and exactly and so exactly think, we don't uh, have to like it it's just the way it is sometimes sometimes and, um, and mature I think maturity at the end of the day is like being able to like recognize that and go you know what like you know even even in the role I'm in right now I'm a team player yeah and so like that is part of my role is being a team player yeah you know and I can't I can't go well a year ago I was you know, running my own company and doing my own thing. It's like, well, that's not the situation now. Like I'm on a team, so I'm going to be a team player. So I actually think it's a big, it's a big deal more than people. I think put credit, go give credit to. And um, yeah, it kind of ties into job seeking because sometimes like I talk to people and they're not necessarily like aware of like what their skills are and how they're lining up in the marketplace. Or maybe they've got an inflated view of where they're at or they, oh, yeah. oh, they yeah. don't want to, they don't want to take a step back to take a step forward yes. because it's a hit on the ego. And Oh, yes. Oh, yes. An stuff. inflated view of themselves, deflated view of themselves. Both have their share of problems. So I appreciate you sharing that. So you're saying a friend was starting, a friend who happened to be a mentor or mentor who happened to be a friend was starting yeah. a recruiting firm and you kind of just fell into it. Did you like it from the very beginning, Joel? You Were you like, yes, this is my place. I found my people. Yeah, I think, I mean, initially I went into recruiting with the mindset of like, this is probably just going to be for six months Yeah. Uh, because I'd also made a move from Southern California back to Wisconsin, which was a, was a whole different story. But yeah. um, I think when I got into recruiting, it was definitely one of those situations where the CEO had just said, hey, I'll get you the interview. I can't get you the job, but you still have to interview. You know, I can get you an ah, interview. You still have to, yeah. you still have to go through the process. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then once I got into it, I just, I think the mix of like just connecting with people and kind of that sales aspect to recruiting was a good fit. But then also um, it's probably the first time that I really started using my degree as weird as that sounds. I'm like, I'm not a big fan necessarily of mm. education, mm. of the education system. Um, but I'd taken, a, I'd done a lot of like general business type mm. studies. And I think one of the things that people don't necessarily think about a lot in recruiting is to be a good recruiter. Um, you know, you can be a people person and kind of, you know, win people over, but to really, I think to be like a really accomplished recruiter, you have to have a business acumen and you've got mm-hmm. to understand how businesses yes. work. Yes. And uh, a lot of the first roles that I recruited on were like manufacturing and, you know, it was like yes, engineering and, uh, continuous improvement and uh, kind of the areas of manufacturing yes. where people are increasing like the business efficiencies. And it just happened that I would just 
drawer a lot from my college yes. education yes. because I was aware, like I could take an accounting role and I, I, I had an understanding of like the regulations because yes. I took an accounting class. Yes. So it wasn't enough to where I was an expert, but it was enough to where I could have a conversation with someone yes. who was an expert yes. and then figure out number one, is this a good promotional step for them? Or is this like a stretch in their career Absolutely. or is it the right fit? And then vice versa, like, are they a good fit for what the company's looking for? Um, and so I actually think that like, if, as a recruiter, if you're edgy, if you have like a business background or business, like studies in your, in, you know, in, in your education, it's probably one of the fields where it helps the most because, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, it's, you got to talk to hiring managers and sound intelligent. You got to talk to the candidates and sound like, you know what you're talking about. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think from both angles, like it just proved to be yes. a great fit. And, uh, I would say within like three months, which is the timeline that it took for me to get first couple of placements, that was when I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? Like I got the hang of this. I enjoy yes. it. Um, and I enjoy the lifestyle too of recruiting, which is very like it's remote first yes. and, um, you know, agency. It's like you kind of get to pick and choose the stuff you want to work on as well, which I yeah. like. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, oh my gosh. This is so cool. I started recruiting Joel a while ago in the year 2000. And I remember um, when I asked, why do you laugh? <laughs> I just love the way that you said that. I was like, I was thinking like, yeah, 2015. Uh, and it was the dot-com bubble period that had just burst. And here I am, a 22 year old. And I remember, uh, but I would ask business related questions, you know, because what you just said, it's a very good thing when someone can talk business in I'm putting this in air quotes for the listener in support functions or enabling functions like HR, finance, marketing, et cetera. Like, oh, so how dare you call marketing an enabling function? Whatever, don't need to get <laughs> hypersensitive. But it's like when you're asking business related questions, a lot of people don't do it. So when you listen and you ask, not from a point of view of like, I'm asking you, now I have another one, now I have another, you listen to understand. And like you said, when you speak to uh, hiring managers and to candidates, you command this new sort of respect that others don't get because they're like, Joel knows his stuff. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. So this is a great uh, thing I'm taking away from what you just said. And it's so important for the listener to know, very, very simple. Like if you can explain to a six-year-old, how does this company make money? Yeah, we were yeah. just chatting. Joel's daughter just celebrated her third birthday. Yeah, maybe in a couple of years, if you can tell her what you do, it means you get it. Because it's yeah. like, oh, I can't explain it to you, Sonal. It's too complicated. I can't explain it to a sixth grader. I'm like, no, no, not sixth grader, a six-year-old. <laughs> so that's For first sure. grade. Because that shows that you got it. It's so simple and you can you know, use analogies to explain it and break it down, which like you're saying, it's great that you were able to apply some of those learnings from from college. So I love it. And all these years, Joel, you've had a few roles, right? Quite a few roles yeah. here and there. And you've done a lot of recruiting. Are you calling me a job hopper right now? I did not. <laughs> Actually, you did. <laughs> um, and in this time, you know, um, not hopping, what is the word I'm going to use? Moving uh, in different positions. If you had to pick out this is a hard one, Joel. If you had to pick out one role, including the one you're doing today, 
uh, and say, oh my gosh, Sonal, I was so lucky to get that role. This was a career defining move. I learned so much. Which one would you pick and explain to us how you got hired there? Yeah, I, so it probably, I mean, this the role I'm in right now, I, I definitely feel pretty lucky to to be in. I, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I feel like, you know, it's it's a good position and mm-hmm. a great company. And I didn't think that I was going to be able to find a position like this after I had left uh, the original company, which I was talking about with the CEO, yes. which is yes. a company called Titus. Um, they had a great culture. Uh, and that was kind of my springboard into recruiting. But I'd say the, the the position that was probably the most defining in terms of just like my mindset was this last position with Hoxo, where mm-hmm. um, essentially they were a or they are a marketing agency that's based in the UK. So that's mm-hmm. that UK connection again. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially they I'd like reached out to them, I reached out to the CEO and and. Um, we were going to do a podcast together, a podcast episode together, because he has a podcast and I have a podcast. And as we started building the relationship, I just asked him, I said, well, you guys are based in the UK. Like, would you have any desire to be based in the US or to get a US operation set up? Uh, And I, at that time, was kind of like running my own, you know, basically like content marketing agency that was Mm -hmm. focused towards the recruitment industry. And Mm -hmm. I was just realizing really quickly that I didn't have um, I just wasn't like necessarily made for like the operational side of business. And mm. I was more of like a, mm. a sales slash like visionary type person, uh, within an organization, not necessarily like the, Hey, this is how we run a business. And obviously when you run your own thing, you have to kind of manage everything. And, um, and so my vision or like the vision that I had had was like, if I can take this company Hoxo, which I'm a big fan of and like help them launch in the U S it could be something amazing. And, uh, and so they were like, yeah, let's do it. And the way that we decided to to do that was to launch like a branding course for LinkedIn. So what we do is like, we, and we did, we're doing this in the UK and we're doing it in like other places around the U uh, around the world. We're taking recruitment agencies through like an eight week foundational uh, course where we would take them and teach them how to start producing content regularly. Uh So they weren't just so reliant on cold calls or just outbound. And, um, I think for me, it was like going into it, it was almost like a, it was what I had thought I had wanted to do for a long, long time, like be involved in starting something, be involved in like building something. Um, you know, I was pretty hands-on in sales and the coaching side of the business and yes. all of this type, type of stuff. But um, again, it's like I reached a point of doing this after about nine months to a year where I just went, you know what, this isn't, mm-hmm. it's not working out the way that we thought it was going to work out mm-hmm. because the market right now is really, really hot for recruitment agencies and they weren't wanting to take their teams away to go do training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a lot of like, Push I got back. a lot of like, yeah, but not like an, I didn't get no's. I got like the mm-hmm. worse than no's, which is like, yeah, maybe in the future. Oh. Um, but yeah, it just, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm having another child. I'm having another baby and mm. the recruitment market market is hot and I do enjoy recruiting and I miss recruiting. So I jumped back into recruiting, but I think where the impact came is now that I'm in a recruiting role, I'm not con- like, there was a long a long, long time where all I was thinking about is like, how am I going to start my own company and do my own thing? And how can I do, you know, how can I be involved in building something? And, and 
I don't have those thoughts anymore. So I'm actually yeah. able to focus a hundred percent on my job and just yes. doing well in my, in my job. And I think there might be people who are listening to this right now who are thinking of setting up their own yeah. like side hustle or their own business. Um, but I think like, it's also knowing that like that isn't necessarily right for everybody no. as well. And no. I think some people go for a really, really long time trying it and they put themselves through like a hell and then they get to the end of like a five-year process and go, yeah, actually it wasn't for me. Um, I think for me, like pretty quickly, I just realized, yeah, you know what? Like, why do I even want this? Or like, what are the reasons? And some of it comes back to insecurities. And like, I just wanted to be something. And I would see these messages of founders and like these people who are doing things. I'm like, I want that. But when it came down to it, like that is like that isn't a reason to do something just because you think that you want it. Like mm-hmm. if you start a company, like number one, you've got to really believe in it. You got to be passionate. You got to believe in the mission of what you're doing. Um, and I, I think you know, same with like if you if you're thinking of quitting your job and and because you just don't like it. Um, sometimes that's not the best time to actually look for something new all the time. Sometimes it is, but. Um, yeah, I think I think just like that self-discovery and just realizing like, oh, okay, like maybe this isn't what I was built for. And now again, back in this role that I'm in, I just am really enjoying like the flexibility and like not having everything riding just on my shoulders. Um and just enjoying being a part of like a team that's growing as well and like realizing like I don't need to be you don't need to be like the CEO or founder yeah. necessarily for it to like matter like the things that i'm still doing matter as well so yes my yeah, gosh that makes sense it makes perfect sense um i'm taking two very important things away i think the first one is sort of implied you didn't say it but i'm reading between the lines because joel it cannot be easy uh for the ego right and uh, there's a book the ego is the enemy because you're like oh, i'm running the show etc etc the ego likes that the ego likes to be fed um and massaged and nurtured and here it's like uh do you really want to do that, Joel? You know, what will people think? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I love it. I love it. Less stress. You know, I've got a family. And it's not that I regret anything because I've been there, done that. And it's maybe again in the future, who knows? But not, I, I, that's so profound what you just said. The It's not always the best reason to want something because you think you want it. Yeah. I well, it's just like the, re- the the reality of what we think yes. sometimes is just, it's twisted. And, you know, yes. again, like, I think for me, like on this journey on LinkedIn, like, I know we haven't really touched upon that, but, yeah. um, you know, I built a following on social media and that comes with, I, I think it's hard. It's hard when you build a following, like it's hard not to get like an ego boost out of it because yeah, you're human. Yeah. And it's like, you get, you know, definitely like when you start getting people like liking your posts and commenting and supporting you, uh, sometimes it can give you like a false sense of what that is. And um, I think for me, like I really threw myself into this like self-help space and was like all about like personal development and personal growth. And I'm not saying those things within itself are like bad things, but I think the way that I would look at it was like, yeah, I'm not successful. I'm I, I'm not on a path of success unless I've got like an award or I got some sort of title or whatever that is. But yeah, I, I just also like, I'm really hyper aware that 
again, like not, not everybody's called to that and it's not the right thing necessarily for everybody. And when you get into a situation, especially if you have like just seen like the highlights of what things look like, or you've seen a social media of, of people, you know, then once you're actually in the life and you realize like what it actually looks like, it's just different to what you think it is. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and I think it's the same, like I've got friends who are, who are, in, you know, pretty big in music and it's like, Yes, if you see their Instagram where they're taking a picture of their show on Saturday night, it looks amazing and they're doing what they love. But then when they're traveling back home after being out of town for two weeks straight and they've got two days to relax, then you realize like, wow, like there's a huge sacrifice for that as well. And yes, there's rewards, but there's also a big sacrifice. And again, I'm not saying like I'm not willing to make sacrifices for results of success. It's not what I'm saying, but there's also seasons to life and knowing what seasons you're in is important. And I think with how the, how the work is shaping up right now with like remote work. And um, I think gig economy is, is getting more steam and like freelancing and and type of types of things. Like we're in it, we're in a different work environment than we were two years ago and it's continuing to change. And so I think you can sit back and ask the question like, okay, maybe for this next couple of years, like my focus is going to be, spending time with my family and making sure my family's in a good place because ultimately in the long run, if I do go and do something else or I start something else or I'm involved in something, I want my family to be in a good place and a strong place. Um, So, so yeah, I think those realizations have just been important. And when I get people reach out to me, like asking questions about whether or not they should start their own thing. um, I hope that I'm able to just provide like more of like a, an unfiltered view of what a balanced view look like a balanced balanced view view. yeah absolutely and also you know uh like you're saying it takes time right you've got 107,000 followers on on LinkedIn you get a lot of high engagement uh and someone's listening and are like I want that that looks like that's great that's great um and I'm sure it's not easy because you're one of those people that engages right you respond to comments yeah holy heck that's a full-time job in itself people will hire VAs to do it not everyone wants to do that right uh so like yeah you want you want it because it's cool or do you want it because you want that sense of community again it's not for everyone right Joel it's yeah and it's it's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes yeah and I think like you know, people always just be like, you know, you'd always just get, I'd always get people like, there's always one guy. And I feel like it was always <laughs> the same guy. Uh, it's the same, always the same type of person. They always happen to be English, funnily enough, but they always be like, what's the ROI? Great, man. Great. You got all this engagement, but what's the ROI in your bank account? Like, that's always what comes up. And yes. it's like, like, look, that's, there's levels to that. And depending on what you're offering, like, I think some people, depending on what you offer, like, it will depend on, on what the results are as well. And like, for me, I can tell you like, you know, where have the benefits come from building a brand online? Well, when I did my last job search, uh, you know, I didn't even put together a resume. It was literally three or four messages out to people that I know. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm looking to get back in recruiting, got some room for me on your team. Yes. Let's set up the interview. And within a two week process, there's three offers on the table. Yeah. And I'm picking the one I remember that. I, that. I remember um, you posted on it and they saw your LinkedIn profile and there was like nothing more to say. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, and I think like even with the company that I'm at right now, 
they see the personal brand obviously as like yeah a an good asset. thing and not, yeah an asset and they're more progressive and yes. they're very you know they're they've got i mean most of their business comes from the content that we're putting on social media but yes. um you know, like that within itself is of a massive course. ROI. That's like bye-bye to cold calling because cold calling is ridiculously expensive and it's so um, belongs and mm-hmm. whatever that time frame that I started recruiting where times have changed and some people don't want to change with the times, right? So it's their loss, honestly. Um, and Joel, um, speaking of loss, speaking of gain, speaking of heart, What's hot, what's not. That sounded awful. Uh, Let's talk about what's hot in recruiting because the demand for recruiters is sky high these days. And I'm hearing there's more demand for recruiters than software engineers. I think you did a post on it and I've been reading about it. And in fact, a few months ago, I remember there was a tweet by someone and that uh, tweet was about a recruiter getting a sign-on bonus of $100,000, $100,000 a recruiter. You know, and uh, so this is not like mythical stuff. This is fact. We're separating fact from fiction. So what I want to hear, like the inside scoop from you, Joel, what are these recruiters, according to you, what are they being hired for? And is it all only tech recruiting or tell us everything? Yeah. Okay. So I guess in terms of, in terms of like where this came from, this demand, yeah, a large portion of that is if you look at the funding that happened over in 2021, it was like yeah. record high. Like, yeah. I think it maybe doubled or tripled what, what it was in 2020, uh, which obviously makes sense because with yeah. COVID, there was so much uncertainty. And yeah. then it's like 2021, the funding just came out of nowhere. So, yeah. you know, when you look at startups that are receiving like that series A, B or C yeah. funding, record numbers. Now, most of those companies are playing in the tech space. So suddenly you've got to hire a bunch of software engineers or developers. Yes. The tr- traditional way that, s- that startups would do it would just be to go to like an agency, like the agency I'm with yep. um, and just go, you know what? We're not even going to, we'll just let you do the hiring for it. And we've got this money, we've got it budgeted out. So we're going to pay you fees and they pay big fees because yes. you know what? It is hard. And anybody yes. who says that recruiting is easy, has never done it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's super I'm hard. Gigg- and- I'm giggling because somebody literally said on LinkedIn, uh, do they really deserve such a 20, 30% of their first year salary? And Joel was all over this and all the recruiters came to your, I mean, they didn't come to your rescue. You didn't need rescuing, but the whole like underplaying and how easy it is. You were like, okay, have you, have you done it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's the guy, the guy basically suggested like, okay, I'm going to set up an recruiting agency and the fees are going to be 5% as opposed to 25%. Like you said, and, Joel, there's always one guy and there's always one guy in the UK. For some reason, they love you in the UK. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of, I don't know why, but this, I mean, and the guy who posted this, like, to be fair, like he's like a marketing PR to kind of like guru type mm. guy and like built big business and sold it. But also like he made some relevant points in terms of like, yes, that fee mm. is expensive. Like mm. 25 to 35 is what he quoted. Like mm. our, our agency, we, we do about 20%. Mm. So we're, but it's still a lot of money. Mm. Like I'm not gonna, mm. I'm not gonna beat about a bush. Like if you, it's a $150,000 a mm. year job and you're getting 30 K it's a, that is, it's a lot of money. Gotta but, work for it. Yes. Yes. But then you, when you look at the person who recruited that person, if they've been doing recruiting for like five years, seven years, 10 years, the amount of time that it takes to build up that network to find that person is a lot now, because you can't like, 
it's not just like, Hey, I'm going to send out 10 in mails and then I get a couple of responses. Yep. Now I'm going to send them over and now we've got to hire. There's just so much that goes in yeah, yeah. to every deal. So, um, so yeah, so, so basically like this company's got a ton of funding, these startups and that created a huge demand for technical experience. So I think as a startup, you've got two options. You can either pay a lot of money to outsource that or, you know, what makes more sense in theory is to go, okay, are we going to build an in-house talent In-house team, recruiter, yeah. An in-house yeah. recruiter. Yeah. Um, and they can just handle all the open recs. So if we pay them, even yeah. if we pay them $200,000 a year, yeah. if yeah. they make eight hires, we've already got an, we've it, already got an for ROI. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like, that's kind of what's driving the demand, record funding, and then just low talent supply. So now all of those companies or a lot of the startups are going, yeah, we're going to build our internal team. And usually it's like, we're going to hire a VP of people or someone mm. like, you know, maybe mm. we come up with a fancy title for them and then we'll build the team around them. Um, now, what I see with that is a lot of times when that happens, because the startup founder or whoever is in a leadership, they're usually like a brilliant person or they, mm. you know, they're super smart but they have zero experience with recruiting and they mm. don't really know what the market is. And they don't really get the, yes, like, yes, you are competing against, um, you know, right, rival competition, but right now everyone's competing against big tech like Amazon and Twitter and Facebook who can pay us so much more money. So, so you've got a lack of, a lack of actual technical talent, which makes it hard to find. And so then that also like creates an issue with, recruiters. So it's like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a bubble right now where the way that tech companies look at recruiting is go, they go, well, we need a recruiter that has prior tech startup experience if they want to be successful in this startup. So they narrow it down right away. And obviously if there's been way more startups that have gotten funding, that means that like, that, you know, it's like, it's, you're just dealing with a limited talent pool. So there isn't enough recruiters with that exact experience to go around and everybody's fighting with over the same people. And then again, like I said, just a minute ago, you're competing then against big tech that can just throw ridiculous amounts of money at recruiters. And like, they mm. will offer $50,000 sign-on bonuses, $100,000 sign-on mm. bonuses. Mm. You could be a technical recruiting manager and make two hundred fifty to $300,000 a year a startup that wants that same person, don't they just don't it. have the no. budget to be able to pay that. Um, and then, and then what I see is a lot of people who get into those roles, they're shocked by the lack of support that they get because yes, people don't on. actually yes. understand like how hard it is to recruit. Yes. Is it hard to recruit for Amazon and Facebook and Twitter? No, because you know, you're reaching out. Yes. Have you heard of Facebook? Yes. Of course you have. Have you heard of Meta, maybe not. No, just kidding. But so, so, but then if you're working with a startup that no one's heard of, yes, that's you know, it's it's, it's a harder have, sale. It's a harder sale. Yes, it's a harder sale. You, you're trying to pitch them on something that's new, something they never heard of, that doesn't pay as well. Yes, so that makes it hard. So, so then that just drive up the salaries yes. as well in general. So, I will say like the technical recruiting skill set right now is is the one that's driving like driving the salaries up but it is across the board like you know i'm working on multiple positions that are like corporate recruiting positions executive recruiting where it's like 
you know, team companies are building like executive recruiting teams to hire new executives and things like that. So it's really across the board right now. Um, I'd say the only, probably like the, the least in demand that I see is probably like the high volume recruiters. So those are people who are like hiring maybe like truck drivers or nurses, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it still is a pretty high demand. It's pretty high demand. Yeah. Those roles are, they don't pay as much, but they're, they've got a whole new set of challenges. Like, you know, trying to hire truck drivers right now mm-hmm. talk to anybody who's doing that. It's extremely tough. So, yeah. Um, so the way that I've summarized it is like in general, yes. Recruiting. Yes. Recruiting has become more, more challenging. You've got lots more things to think about in terms of like remote work versus hybrid, are we going to hire people out of state? And obviously if you're hiring, if you're a company in San Francisco and you're hiring people who are in Atlanta or somewhere else in the country where the cost of living is lower, um, you know, then you have issues with like, do we pay them San Francisco rates? So do we pay them local rates? So you've got th- that in the mix. And then you also have on the backdrop, you've got, you know, LinkedIn content or LinkedIn. Uh, it's kind of driving this great resignation as well. So, you know, right now I would say like everybody is passively looking to see what's out in the market because if you're a recruiter, you know, you can make 30 or 40,000 more dollars potentially. If you're a candidate though, you're feeling that same way. And so it's like, yes, tech, yes, tech. And, and uh, those technical roles are really, really in high demand. Yes. Recruiters are in high demand, but as a whole, like everybody, it seems like from retail to healthcare to construction, everybody is hiring. Everybody's finding a struggle to hire talent, which again brings a brings a high demand for recruiting. Um, Thank you for that. I I'm, I really appreciate you taking time to unpack that for us. Record funding um, and uh, across the board, executive recruiting teams to nurses to truck drivers. The point is the whole. Spectrum. It sounds like it's not easy. And I'm going to ask you something that I mentioned in the very beginning when I said I started working in the year 2000. And I said the dot-com bubble had just burst, right? This, I think, is also a bubble, at least according to me. Do you think it's going to burst at some point, you know, with people um, competing and outbidding each other and 100K bonuses? I mean, it sounds crazy. It's, you know, I, it's not sustainable. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like, you, all you got to do is look at two years ago when COVID first hit. And the first thing that happened was recruiting teams. Yes. Got, well, recruiting yes. and marketing teams get cut down because when you're going through a tough economic time, you're not, it's like, you're thinking of surviving, you're yes. not thinking of growing and both yes. of those like marketing and recruiting both indicate growth. So yeah, there's a, there's a definitely a chance that that could happen. And that's why I tell like recruiters when you're looking at a new opportunity, um, you know, taking the time to not just focus 100% on money, because obviously, like, the more you make, the more that's expected of you, number one, like, no one's going to pay you $250,000 to work part time, they're going to expect a lot. And if if you're coming in, and you're making more than your director, or whoever it is, and there's a mismatch there, like, you are going to have to work really, really hard. So that's one thing to consider. And then it's just looking at, like, how big is the recruiting team? And now that is the recruiting team actually too big? Because right now I do think that like Amazon and Facebook and keep using them as the example, because they're the ones that I just know are hiring like crazy, but they're almost like hiring too many recruiters because if there is a slowdown 
and you're in a team that's too big for the actual work that's out there. You're they will be offloaded. offloaded. Yes. You get offloaded. So I yes. think it's like, it's a fine balance. Like you want to yes. get paid what you're worth, but you don't want to almost get paid too much because you'll be the first one on the chopping board. And then, then all you got to do is look at companies like Peloton, better.com, yeah. Zillow yeah. Yeah. to realize like, if you talk to someone at Peloton three months ago, they would not have been like, hey, we're going to have mass layoffs. Yes. They did. So the idea of like anything being certain yeah. also doesn't make any sense. And oh. so I think, I think like when you're evaluating an opportunity, you've got to look at the whole picture and you can't just focus purely on the money. You got to look at everything, but you've also got to hold that loosely and just realize like recruiting is one of those, those positions and one of those, uh, one of those roles that it's just never, never hundred percent secure. And, uh, and so you've just got to, you got to try and do your best to make a good decision, but ultimately you got to take that pressure off you and just realize like, you just never know what's going to happen. You never know. And I think that's you true for know. everything. It's true for when you have your own company. It's true for when you're employed. Uh, there's always a risk, right? There is no surety. Always. There is no certainty in anything. Um, and, um, Joe, let's talk about this profession, right? You've been in recruiting for a little while. So you, I think, are in that prime position where you get to see people's best and worst side. At least I remember I did, you know. So the best is when uh, you're interviewing, right? It's the seduction. You see uh, lots of beautiful answers. Everything is correct. Everything is beautiful. The worst is <laughs> we talked about money right now. So when the negotiation starts, right? Some people's inner sort of the fangs just come out. Um, and, um, or even, you know, at the time of exit, um, when uh, people are speaking with their companies. So having seen the best and the worst, what, according to you, are some of the biggest mistakes that you have seen job seekers make over and over again? And it makes you pull your hair out. Yeah, I, th I think it like right now, I think there's been a big shift. And it, I mean, I guess this has always been an issue. Like, obviously, like if somebody reaches out to you about a position, um, it's easy to think then, OK, hey, I'm in high demand or like this person wants me. And so then almost subconsciously, you kind of don't approach it the same way as if you were applying to somewhere. So like, think about it. Like if you're desperate for a job, like you're trying to do everything you can to like know the company and, and you want to show that in the interview. Um, I think if people are reaching out to you for the job and you know, you're in demand, you almost just approach it a little bit differently. So then you feel like, okay, well, maybe I don't need to dress for the interview. Mm. Now that compounded then with it being remote. Mm it's just has added a whole different element into interviewing where I think on both sides, I think there's a lack of engagement when it comes to like video interviews. I think like, I think that lack of engagement from candidates is something that I see all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is mm -hmm. like just simple things of like looking at the actual company. And I don't know why people do this. Cause it's like, I think they just flip into this mode of like, well, they can't, they, it's not an interrogation. And like, what right do they have to, for me to know them? Like, what do they know about me? But ultimately it's like, why wouldn't you want to know about the company that you're interviewing with? Cause you might actually end up working there. It's like, why wouldn't you want to know about it? And like, why wouldn't you want to think about like what I like about this company or what I don't like about it? So I think it's that preparation piece and it's that engaged piece is 
it's the biggest mistake that I, I see across the board. And I yes. also then, I then think like from, that's from people who are like working and looking at other opportunities. I think then as you look at like the true job seekers, so the person yes. that's not working, yes. which is the hardest position that you can be in. If you're not yes. working to try and find another job, it's yes. super hard. Um, but I think it's, it's a different issue. And, and I think that the issue there then, um, I th- what I see from, from people right now, a lot is just like very like random reaching out to people. And like, I see this personally because I have a big following on LinkedIn. I get random people reaching out to me and Joel, can you look at my resume? Can you look at my LinkedIn profile and tell me if you have any suitable openings right now? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you, Joel. It's, <laughs> it's basically what it is or like, or what I do, what I get, it's like, I get people that email me. And they're wanting to like advice on stuff, which is fine. Like I get it, but it's also like I've stopped answering people yeah. until they reach out to me multiple times. And it, and it's it's like the amount of people that will reach out three times is like almost zero percent. So I think there's like people are looking for like the easy like shortcut with it, and they're expecting they're expecting me to spend some time for free to like career coach. That's not, that's not even what I do. Um, so I think that that's an, and, a big and for, issue. And for free as well. Huh? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I mean, I want to be sensitive with that. Cause like, yeah. I get it. And I'm not yeah, saying like it. my time is it. like, I'm not like one of these people who's going to be like, Oh, my time's worth a thousand dollars an hour. But like for certain things, it probably is worth yes. a decent amount. Cause it's like, I put work into doing the things that I do. Um, but then I'd also say too, like a big mistake is just like, understanding the role that a recruiter plays compared to a hiring manager and just realizing like the recruiters aren't the gateway to jobs unless the job is something that they're working on. Uh, and the chances of that is actually pretty low. Um, but like recruiters fundamentally aren't there to help people find jobs that they're yeah. there to fill Positions. roles that the companies ha- has open. Butts on seats, butts on seats. Yeah, and it's like there is a there is an intersection of those yes. two things. Yes. So if I was a construction project manager and I reach yes. out to a construction recruiter and they have a project manager role open, okay, it makes sense for us to work together. If I'm a construction project manager and I reach out to an IT recruiter and ask them what they have because they have project manager roles that are for IT, that's not a match. So and again, it's like to then ask a recruiter and say, "Hey, can you help me find a job?" that actually just shows like you don't understand like what my role is. Um, so I think, I think that's a big thing and I get it. Cause I, I, Hey, I was there too at one point. Yes. Uh, and I didn't know a lot about like the re- recruiting and I have reached out to like recruiters before and been like, Hey, can you check my resume? Yes. Guess what? Nobody ever got back. Nobody get back. I, I think I'm taking so much useful stuff away. First of all, there's no judgment. If you're cold calling and, you're reaching out to people and asking them to help you and you have like they have no idea who you are they would not recognize you in a police lineup listen we've all been there there's no judgment there but there's definitely some good advice here stop doing that cold calling is a numbers game and when you reach out to someone like joel or even for that matter with me uh, right joel so uh we can tell from the language it's one of many people that you've reached out to. So the more targeted your search, if you're a construction manager and it's a recruiter who specializes in construction, you're probably a match made in heaven. Show them why, right? As opposed to laying the net, casting the net very wide, um, which 
honestly is wasting your own time because the other person will probably not even give it two seconds to reply. That I'm taking that away. The other thing I'm taking away is we've no matter how good we think we are, you know, you could be the honestly, you could be the best thing that happened to this world since sliced bread. You could be. But that does not make you entitled to get someone's brain picking, um, you know. And the third thing I'm taking away is if you really, really think a person like Joel can help, you've written once, you've given up. Honestly, it's your loss. The fortune isn't the follow-up. Most people don't do it. If you want to be somebody rare and you want to attract a recruiter or a hiring manager's attention, there's something called there's something to be said for persistence. And it's a very attractive look. I like people who are like, you know, Sonal, it's been three times. You haven't got back to me. I really think that we can do this. Um, if you don't reply after this, no problem. I won't bother you. But I'm like, wow, I have to admire this person's chops. Like they refuse to give up, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I think it's like, you know, to me, like on a job search, a big, a big deal is, you know, being able to get somebody's attention. And this is just across the board in sales, recruiting, whatever it is, anything where you're looking to strike up a relationship with somebody, you've got to get their attention. So it's like what you said, like, you've got to show quickly, this is what's in it for you. This is why you should talk to me. This is why I think we should have the conversation. Um, and again, it's just like the the kind of like the level that people do that is sometimes it's just it comes off as kind of like laziness because like mm-hmm. you said, like mm-hmm. I can tell if something's written to yes, if it's just a copy and paste to every recruiter. Yes. Um, and then I can tell like the ones where they're like, hey, I looked at your profile and it looks like you hire HR and TA positions. Let's connect. That's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, let's connect. And, you know, sometimes it's like you know, it's particularly like, obviously I focus with recruiters. Sometimes I will get recruiters and like, honestly, a big test for me is like, are you going to follow up? And if you follow up two or three times, like I'll have the conversation. Um, but it, but with all that being said too, like I get it cause it is tough and it's yes. hard and it's a hard position to be in, but I, you know, it's like a lot of, you know, sometimes I get people reach out and they're like, yeah, I really want to get into recruiting. And I've taken some of those calls before. And then when you get into it, it's like, well, why do you want to get into recruiting? And there's no even reason there other than it just seems like it could be a, a, like a decent job. And I'm like, well, it's, <laughs> you kind of want to know more about things than, than, uh, than that. Or there's like the people who are like, Hey, I'm open to anything. And again, that's something which like, it just, I've even talked to recruiters who, who, where I'm like, Okay, so what type of industry? What's mm. the company size? Like, and I ask, I'm asking these questions so I can figure out like, mm. do I have anything that's a good fit? Like, oh, I'm open to anything. Yeah, I oh, hate I, that answer. Anything. I hate that answer for dinner. Like, kids, what do you want for dinner? Anything? Ah, oh, that doesn't help me. <laughs> Give me two Any, or three things. <laughs> exactly. It's like being being ambiguous and, and vague on a job search no. will just create so many problems and yeah I, you know i've asked this questions before like to people yeah. who reach out and it's like well what exactly are you looking for tell me exactly what you're looking for and i'm like oh i don't really know i'm kind of open to anything and i'm like i well, also think like joel people get a bit people it? get nervous as well like oh gosh if i give a very specific answer even if it's the like especially if it's the truth i'm gonna get pigeonholed into that and then i can't get out of that right which is not true like look at joel look at me like look at so many people we've been in so many different boxes you can always reinvent yourself you can always change your environment yeah but you've also you've also you gotta have i think in general like you've got to have an end point yes 
if you don't have an endpoint or destination, you can't map a journey. And I think like that question is a hard one. Like, well, what are you looking for? And yeah. I can understand it maybe if people aren't a hundred percent sure, but like just the more specific you can be, yeah. it's going to yeah. help you know, and then maybe you have a couple conversations with what you thought and it turns out like, yeah, maybe that isn't what I'm looking for. Yeah. Great. Now you can make a change, but, um, it's the same too, with like a new job, like just cause you take a new job, the likelihood of you working at that company for the rest of your life is like super low. So sometimes it's like you, again, you get into a situation and you figure out like, ah, it wasn't what I thought it was. That's okay. Like you can still make a change. And, uh, yeah. Obviously, a lot of these things are easier said than done, but uh, yes, yes, but it's good to practice that and um, say it out loud to yourself before you say it to someone else. What do you want? Because that is such a loaded question. So I, I totally get that. Um, and Joel, my goodness, we're coming close to the end. Time has absolutely flown, <laughs> and I have this particular question I ask every single guest of mine. When you look back on your career, is there one standout defining moment? that supercharged your career, Joel, and helped you to move towards your current success? Yeah, I mean, for me, like the decision to start posting on LinkedIn, uh, you know, obviously it's a pretty... Uh, when did you uh, start, was, Joel? That would have been, it was Labor Day, so September um, of 2019. Okay. And I posted my first video and it was basically like a testimony of how... I got my first internship using LinkedIn. I tagged a bunch of people I knew and it actually did all right. Like even by my standards now, I'd be probably happy with that. You know, it was like 60, 70 likes, a couple thousand views. I was like, Hey, that's not a bad video uh, by any, any means. Yeah. Especially um, in 2019. Cause uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. That's amazing. Yeah. 20 to, and then, and then I just was like, you know what? I enjoy this. And I started mm -hmm. posting every day, but I think the more that I've done that and the more I stay consistent with it and now I've moved over to Twitter and kind of seeing a similar kind of growth pattern over there. Um, you know, that has been huge for me just in general. And like, I think being confident with like writing, being confident with like people knowing who I am, getting better with speaking and doing podcasts and learning and all, all these types of things. So for me, like making that decision to start investing in a brand and investing in, um, networking online with people that has been the big i mean it's been the biggest change and and i'm still relatively new early in that journey too it's like two and a half years um so i, I think what i'm excited about the most is like where that's going to eventually take me and and some of the doors that it's going to open up as well and it has already opened up as well in relationships too um but i i often wonder like if i hadn't decided to do that like I don't even know where I'd be. So it's how different, crazy. how different life would be. No, amazing. I'm so glad you did start. But that's how we met. We met on LinkedIn. Uh, and we well, met did we meet on Clubhouse? No, I was I already following you. I was already following oh, okay. you. <laughs> I was one of your one of your 107,620 followers on uh, LinkedIn before I saw you on Clubhouse. Uh, no, that's an amazing, amazing answer. Very honest answer. Just putting yourself out there. Yes, there always will be. There's a chance there'll always be that one guy. There'll always be that one hater. Um, but there'll be like 99,000 other amazing people. So it's definitely worth putting yourself, putting your thoughts out there. And 
a great way to start is how I I like how you did it, Joel. Your first post was something like a gratitude, thank you. This is how I got my internship. It was also educational, so it's not like, hey, look at me, I just got into Deloitte. Be happy for me, right? As opposed yeah. to, this is what I did to get into an, an internship, and LinkedIn helped me. And these are the people that helped me. Thank you. That's a great idea for a first post. If we are talking to listening, you know, any LinkedIn virgins out there who are listening, this is a great idea to start. Amazing, Joel. This has been such a pleasure. I cannot wait to see your success. I know you said two and a half years, but something tells me the best is yet to come. So I want to thank you for your time today and wish you the very best. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And it was great to, to chat and uh, I'm glad we yeah, I'm just glad we had the time to be able to, to connect more as well. So I know this is long overdue. So thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. Hey there. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Isn't Joel absolutely amazing? If you are not following him on LinkedIn, his humor, his gifs, his memes, you are losing out, my friend. What is life without any humor whatsoever? It's like food without any salt or any spice so definitely check out joel on linkedin what is it that you love most about this episode tag me on linkedin tag me on instagram let me know what you thought about it and if you haven't done so already it goes without saying share this episode with a friend and and give me a rating on spotify or apple podcasts obviously if you enjoyed it (laughs) this really really helps the discoverability of the show and gets heard by more people thank you so much i really really appreciate your time and until next time bye for now Music